Standing up in McKinney, this is, according to Callus, it is Reformation Day. That's right. It's October 31st, 2023. And normally, this would be just a straight up Texas Tuesday. Unfortunately, due to happenstance of the day and where it lies, we're going to also do a little bit on the Reformation Day, if you will. Before I get into the heart of the matter, let me remind you, the biggest difference you can make, the most help you can provide me that costs you nothing, like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Follow it. Follow it on the social media. Follow it on your podcatcher of choice. If you're on the... um, Uh, YouTube. Wow. Can't believe I spaced out and forgot that one. If you're still doing the YouTube thing, you can still uh, catch the audio there. And it will be uh, something you can follow and click for notifications. That will help me as well. Wow. It has been a rough uh, couple of days. I got to tell you, got to be honest, I am dragging. That being said, here we go. On with the show. Okay, so I guess what I'll do is I'll start with the Texas Tuesday portion and then drift off into the Reformation, which is sure to be a little bit more fiery than the Texas stuff. So in case you haven't heard, our state representatives have been oh so busy down on that third special session. I mean, to tell it, they don't even sleep according to some of our state reps. But they've gotten this great legislation that they're passing for us that they didn't have time to do in the first special, or in the, I'm sorry, the first original session and the first and second special sessions. But now, now they're hunkering down. They're actually going to get it done now. Funny how that works, isn't it? Of course, they're raking in the extra money now that they've had these multiple extra sessions. Mm, Not that they ever rake any money in because let's face it, You have to be basically a rich retired guy, a rich guy who can sell fund, or a guy that's got a job that allows people to pay you to do nothing while you're down in Austin doing the work that we sent you to there to do. The biggest challenge is finding a way to not actually get your job done while you're there for the first session. And then you can have multiple special sessions to finally get the stuff down. And now in the third special session, yes, well, the governor's caved and has agreed to spend oodles more money that they took from you and I to make special payoffs so that they can create the school choice program that the governor suddenly wants to have. Call me dubious, but don't fall for this. It's only going to cost us in the long run. Don't believe me? Just wait and see. Whenever government spends money, they call the shots. And to be clear, it's not the government's money in the first place. But since they took it from us, you know, under threat of violence at the point of a gun. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you think that's unfair? Yeah, just don't pay your taxes and see what happens. And then they choose to divvy it up and give it to special interest groups of their choice. uh, Among them being the teachers associations. Say no more. We're going to bribe you with a little extra money so that we can do this school choice program that we're going to promptly control and put you guys in charge of anyway. I mean, of course, I could be wrong. I I could be misreading that. 
But just watching how things have played out over history, I feel fairly confident that my wild guess is going to be found to be mostly true in the long term. While we're at it, still waiting for somebody to do something about the border. And, oh, by the way, we did have the Operation Underground Railroad in town yesterday here in McKinney, Texas. The guy was telling us about the things that played out in Columbia, but talks about exactly how it's going on right here, right now. And and we're going to have probably a roundtable or a forum uh, first quarter of next year. We're going to sit him down and a couple other of the people that are very influential and busy here in Collin County and see if we can get some action steps, some things that we, the people, can do to improve the situation. We shall see. Okay, one last thing before we pivot out of the uh, Texas portion of this. I've seen that apparently California is hell-bent, I'm sorry, that was a heck-bent, on disarming their people. Never the mind that they're under a constant invasion, just like Texas. Never the mind that they're getting inundated with people from all over Asia, which will permanently change what goes on in California. But they don't want you to be able to defend yourself. They don't want you to have the opportunity to prevent what they've already preordained. Keeping in mind, the first gun control act of any consequence came from the great Ronald Reagan. So you ought to keep that in mind, Republicans out there. We're not perfect, and nor are we clean on this. We, we, we have failed as well. We failed to lead, and now we're failing to fight. That being said, as I have pointed out many, many times, conservatives are really good at compromising away our rights. They're very good at capitulating now to complain about it later. And I got to tell you, as a Texian, I really don't care what happens in California. And as far as I'm concerned, the whole thing could just separate off the rest of the country and drift off into the Pacific Ocean. We would all be better off. But I'm also wise enough to know that what happens in California, it's only a matter of time before it happens everywhere else in these United States. So for that reason alone, I'm concerned. But again, if the courts in California are perfectly okay disarming their victims, say la vie. In Texas, we're not going to play that game. In Texas, we're going to push back, right? Right, ladies and gentlemen? We're not going to allow our governor, we're not going to allow our courts to disarm us and to leave us as helpless victims. We would never tolerate that, right, Texians? Okay, that's what I thought. Keeping in mind, the feds are going to do what the feds are going to do, and that is the primary reason why we have a sovereign state of Texas and we tell the feds to go pound sand. We're not going to enforce that law here. We're not going to be participating. And if you doubt me, if you don't think this is doable, look at all the other states that have said, well, yeah, actually, you're going to be able to do your drugs here, and we're not going to enforce that. And by the way, we're going to actually run interference for you with the feds. So if they can do it for that, for people that are actively destroying their life by mind-altering substances, the very least we can do is protect our good patriots here in Texas. All right, enough Texas. Time to pivot. Sorry, folks, but it is Reformation Day, and we should talk about this. Why? Because there is a direct corollary for every conservative congregation, for every conservative denomination, we have the people that are surrendering and capitulating and, quite frankly, aren't willing to stand on what is right and what was deemed true. They have to 
constantly move on to the next reform that comes down the pike. Now, as a Protestant, and I think I would fairly say I'm a low church Protestant. Hmm? For If you don't know what that means, you should go look it up. I'm not going to try and explain it. Coming from what I would say a quasi-Baptist background, which just means that not really a solid denomination. I got to say, having gone through the gamut, right? Being involved in what I would call mm, hyper-legalistic church situations. Being involved in the charismatic church situations. Sometimes overlapping. And then going to the seeker-sensitive church, which was kumbaya, we want everybody to come here and meet Jesus, and now settling on what was ostensibly a nice conservative suburban church, you know, I've seen it all. I don't claim to know it all, (laughs) and I certainly don't uh, understand it all, but I'm here to tell you, you know, I'm not a fan of Roman Catholicism. That's not my thing. That doesn't mean I hate it. That doesn't mean I think all those people that participate in the Catholic Church are evil or going to hell or anything like that. That's just not my thing. Now, I might think things about the hippie Pope, and I've got to be honest, a good number of my Catholic friends actually say that and worse about him, so I'm not going to lose sleep over that. I'm not an Orthodox guy, no. Um, I'm not Coptic, and I'm not uh, Oriental, and there's various flavors in there. And, and let's not forget the Marianite church. I imagine they're under siege right about now in Lebanon. There are all these different flavors of Christianity. We all agree, I guess, on five things or three things, right? And we all get to call each other Christian brothers. So I'm curious. I know I've brought this up before. How is it that the Protestants are always changing? I mean, it's one thing when the Pope back in the 60s decided that, well, you're not going to have to have only fish on Fridays anymore. And that was a giant controversy. But at least in that situation, it was the Pope that made the declaration. I don't remember what the seat is called that he has to be on whatever. But I know there's some special rules at play there before the Pope can change things. I get it. You know, the Vicar of Christ and all that stuff. But the idea that they can make those changes has to go through a process there. There has to be a significant request to go that way. And one of the problems is, is you have these historical churches, again, the Orthodoxy, the Orientals, the uh, Coptic and Catholic or Catholic churches. They're, they're based largely on tradition, what they're teaching and understanding the Bible is, but in the Protestant church, you know, for better or for worse, we went with the Sola Scriptura, right? And, Apparently, uh, each next generation, somebody else gets a new version or a new idea, and it becomes extremely difficult to push that back because, well, you know, yeah, you twisted and mangled something here so you could justify your newest position, and yet it never fails that it just keeps moving the bar further and further left. So I'm looking at this, and I've been a harsh critic of what I would call political conservatives and the ecclesiastical conservatives seem to have the same problem. They keep caving. They keep moving. They keep adjusting the bar. They keep allowing for the latest. I would 
almost go heretical point of view and they they do a little synthesis and then suddenly it's okay. Now, if you don't know where the term synthesis comes from, you need to go read up on that as well. There, There's a lot of stuff going on here. It's part of the compromising procedure, right? They force people to give in to things that they wouldn't otherwise approve. So that being said, where are we at now? What's the latest thing? Well, you know, a church that I formerly was a member or attended decided that they were going to toss out the biblical definition of what a elder is, and they were going to make it gender neutral. Now, you're, I can hear you all out there, callous, why do you hate women? Callous, why are you beating up on women? Uh, why are you? When did you become such a patriarchal jerk and blah, 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 blah? No, it's none of that at all. I'm certain that somebody that's got a, oh, a whole bunch of letters after their name went and found some way that they could twist and manipulate and tweak and find the latest uh, definition of this word and it's Greek. Who cares? They were tossing out 2,000 years of history because now somebody somewhere determined that, well, actually there was a minor mistake here and this has been wrong this whole time. You all got it wrong. You know, the thousands of scholars before me, they didn't know what they were doing, but me, I know what's best. We, we did the same thing on this whole gay ordination thing, right? Years ago, we, we did the same thing on, you know, the same sex marriage thing. Not too long. Well, actually it's going on right now in some of our denominations. And I had this conversation with somebody in my family and they were kind of upset with me and they asked, well, what is your problem? You know, can you prove up? that there should only be women elders. And I said, you know, I'm pretty sure that that argument's already been had by a lot, a lot of people that are smarter and more educated on this issue than I am. And I'm going to also guess that for 2000 years, it's worked just fine that way. So I'm not really sure why we need to change it now. I'm not, I'm not really sure why we need to suddenly have lady pastors now. I mean, and the two go hand in hand, let's not kid each other, which is not to say that there aren't the exceptions to the rule, which is not to say that there aren't circumstances where maybe that's a solution to a problem. I, I'll grant you that there's probably not a blanket no on everything across the board, but as a general rule, it's worked just fine. Why would we think as Protestants, we suddenly know better and keep in mind all the early Protestants would have looked at you like you were crazy. Of course, Certain people say, well, that's because they were a bunch of misogynist, patriarchal, evil men, and they didn't know any better, and they, they just hated women. Well, no, I really don't know that that's true, because i got to be honest, I've read some of the quotes from women back then, and they kind of thought that they needed to stay in their sphere as well. Now, you can say they were brainwashed. You can say that they didn't know any better. Okay, maybe that's fine. And why am I, why am I bringing this up? Well, I've heard it floated that the reason why the people in Salem were burned, the witches, if you will, because they were ladies, they were preaching. They were ladies that were, you know, leading people, were leading their own churches or their sermons or whatever else. And they were undermining the hierarchical blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine, maybe. Maybe there's some truth to that. I don't know. 
it's not been lost on me that a lot of pagan celebrations, a lot of pagan priestesses were women. And the two kind of go hand in hand, the whole matriarchal thing there. Okay. So maybe that was a concern. Maybe. I don't know. Again, why is it that things that worked for 1,500 years have to be put up on end? Why? And it actually didn't even start 500 years ago. It's really started probably in the last 100 years or less because somebody decided they knew better. Somebody decided they needed to use the exception of the rule to change the whole rule, to change the whole world because there was something else going on here. Now, if anybody that knows me in real life, IRL, right? You know that I have a wife, I have two daughters, and I think the world of all three of them, nor would I want any of them abused, mistreated, or put down. And particularly my daughters are both gifted and skilled in various different things, but I would not be comfortable with them suddenly becoming a pastor or an elder either. I would just say that's not something that you were designed to do. I don't look that as a negative thing. You know, we talk about the lesser vessel. Yeah, yeah, okay. Again, you've got bad people that interpret things to mean what they want all the time. Well, isn't it possible that these other people are equally bad people and they're manipulating and postulating things that aren't true? Again, you're, now you're asking why you bring this up. Well, this all flows out of the Reformation, or so I'm told. This all flows out of the idea that people have rejected tradition. They've rejected things that work because they're reforming. And, well, you know, as Protestants, we're always reforming. We're always changing. Really? Now, I know that's why there's a ton of splinter churches, a ton of splinter denominations, and a, quite frankly, a whole lot of splinter ideas out there. But at what point did we decide that we know better than what the scripture actually says? At what point do we take what it says and invert it to mean something else? Now, typically, there's only one person or one individual or one movement that is known for inverting things and calling good evil and evil good. And one ought to really be considerate of that when they're determining whether this latest revelation that's coming out of the Protestant circles is appropriate or not. And I'm not condemning anybody. I think a lot of these people actually have, you know, positive feelings, good in their heart. They they have wonderful intentions. And there's a road paved somewhere that's paved with good intentions. I, I, I just can't remember where it is. Again, why am I bringing this up? Well, as we celebrate Reformation Day or Halloween, depending on how you want to look at it, it's not lost on me that the whole celebration of those pagan things highlight different things that the church up until very recently rejected and saw as both real and things that ought to be rejected and not allowed for. But now suddenly, and I can't give specific examples, I'm trying to avoid that, there are churches that are embracing quote-unquote Halloween. They're they're embracing quote-unquote the fun. They're, they're calling them... Non, uh, oh, I don't want to phrase this. Non-offensive or non-problematic ideas. Really? Really? Pretty sure we're not supposed to talk to the dead. Pretty sure we're not supposed to worship spirits. Pretty sure that uh, diviners and uh, you know people that deal with magic are not, and I'm talking about real magic, not sleight of hand stuff here, but magic magic, right? magicians, warlocks, witches, whatever you want to call them. Those are all things 
that are not appropriate, that Christians don't participate with. And again, look, if you're not a Christian, feel free. Do what you want. You'll settle up with your maker later. I'm not going to beat you up for that. I'm not holding anybody accountable unless they claim to be a Christian. And if you claim to be a Christian, by making that declaration, you're opening yourself up to be held accountable. No, I'm not judging you, brother and sister. I'm just asking, are you really doing this with a clean conscience? Do you believe this is really appropriate? Do you think this is something you ought to be modeling for the next generation? When you meet your maker, how do you explain yourself? Circling back to the idea, I don't have to justify or hate anything that's going on in the Protestant churches. I just got to question, what is the motivation? When you're going to take an exception to a rule and make it the new rule, when you're going to invert the process of what was understood for basically 2,000 years, and now suddenly we had it all wrong this entire time, just because now suddenly we're more enlightened and we know what's best, and well, of course, you know, now we understand things better, right? There's nothing new under the sun here. So, my fellow Protestants out there, as we celebrate Reformation Day, we ought to keep in mind that just because you reformed or just because we broke away from the ecclesiastical brotherhood with the Catholic Church, which had happened before when Orthodoxy, the Orientals, and the Coptics broke faith or broke um, fellowship with, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's any rejection of Christ. It's just the way that we celebrate or a way we worship that's different, right? Or our understanding slightly different. So I'm asking, how is it that all these other denominations, all these other faith streams that are with us that have been doing this for longer than we have, they seemingly don't have this problem. It's only within the Protestant Reformed Church that we feel the need to do this. What are we selling? What are we buying? I don't really know, but I got to tell you, it's a little confusing and a little disappointing all at the same time. By now, I've probably angered 50% of my audience. And there's probably some people out there that say, shut up and just talk about Texas. Okay. Consider this. The same thing that is going on in politics is going on within our churches. The The capitulation continues. Hmm? You just get a little caustic person in there and they all waver and cave in like little girls. I was going to use a different word, but I'm going to be uh, nicer. Where are men of character? Where are men of faith? Where are the men that are willing to stand up and do the right thing, even when facing great odds? I will suggest to you that the biggest problem within the Protestant church is that we don't have great reformers. We have great (laughs) recreators. We have great performers, but we don't have great reformers. We don't have great men of character. And yes, those men of character... They don't do it alone. Almost every one of them is married with a loving and caring and strong-willed woman that is partnered with them. You cannot do this on your own, nor should you think that you can. But likewise, we were created to be partners and work together. And in no point in this conversation should you ever take anything I've said to diminish the role of women or to diminish the role of my wife. 
there are certain things that we are created for, the certain positions we're supposed to do. It seems quite evident to everybody else that subscribes to our same uh, stream of faith, right? Creator God. So I'm really, really concerned. What next are they going to cave in on? I mean, if you're just going to let anybody call themselves a Christian, well, why not just go full universal? Why, why not just say everybody gets to go to heaven? It doesn't matter. Why not say that it doesn't matter how you worship? It doesn't matter who the priest is. It doesn't matter who the pastor is. It doesn't matter who the elders are. None of it matters. It's all irrelevant. I mean, ultimately, is that the goal of those that are still reforming? Is that what they think that we need to get into? I would suggest to you that they have another gospel. That they have another outcome that they're predetermined. Not all of them, but it only takes one wolf to sleep through or switch to slip through. There we go. One wolf slips through. A little bit of yeast leavens the entire loaf, as they say. So on this Reformation Day, I would encourage you stand strong in the faith. Know what you believe. Know why you believe it. And you know what? Honestly, it's okay if you disagree with me. It's okay if your church does something different than my church. I don't claim to have all the answers. I'm merely asking the questions, how did this become okay? And really and truly, I'm uncomfortable with this. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't feel right. Now, I I know that somebody with a bunch of letters after their name is going to try and justify it. My response is, I I really don't care. I'm not interested. I'm not buying. You can keep selling it, but I'm not buying it. And with that, I'm going to wrap it up. We spent enough time on the Reformation stuff. And one last thing, if you're still listening. (laughs) Uh, Next week on the 9th is the TexitCon. That's right, the Texit Conference. It's in Waco. Come and join us. They've got a lot of good speakers there. Go to tnm.me. There will be a link to get over to it. And if you use my last name, There is a discount code for you there. So go check it out. Uh, It should be lots of fun, interesting, and a lot of networking going on there. So even Protestants like me can meet up with other people that we don't necessarily agree with entirely to work towards the greater good, to work towards an independent Texas. And short of that, a completely sovereign state in the union who calls the shots and knows what their responsibilities are. Until that time, I will see you on the other side.